Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Praying Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. This is all the news that you missed. <laughs> it has been a crazy week. week in the news. And I have a co-host today. Mm-hmm. My beautiful wife. We have created uh, a new news website called Freedom News Project. And you can find it at freedomnewsproject.com. We have, in light of a, a bunch of dreams that I've had, the Lord has asked me to create a news website that's video-based, and it has all the latest news on video from a conservative perspective. So if you're not too happy with watching CNN, MSNBC, you can go to freedomnewsproject.com and check out some news from a different perspective. So... Glad you all are on here on this video. The reason we are doing this video tonight is we got fed up with people not knowing what's going on. We were listening to a radio show a little while ago, and Denise is like, they didn't say this, and they didn't say that, and they didn't talk about this, and so it got got her a little annoyed. So we are going to bring you tonight, get a glass of wine, get a bowl of popcorn, we have a ton, a ton of information to share with oh you. Oh my gosh. There is a lot going on right now. Let her tell you about a dream that she had about a week ago. I don't even remember it. You don't remember the dream about the TV <laughs> that was talking oh. to you? Yeah. Um, okay, so hang on. Maybe you have to like... All right, let me tell you my dream first. Refresh my memory. I had a dream the same night she had a dream. In my dream, there was this very deceptive narrative that was being developed and pushed all throughout society. Uh, a narrative of lies and deception, and there, were a, there was a lot of dishonesty being pushed on our culture. That was a dream I had. I woke up, wrote the dream down. Denise goes, oh my gosh, I had the craziest dream. Tell them um, that, tell them what that happened was, now I remember it, okay. <laughs> We were in our in a bedroom, which was supposed to be our house. It wasn't our actual house. Um, and from the bedroom, with the door open, you could see right to the front door and window of the house. And the shades were kind of open, and I said, or I thought they were. And I said, somebody could probably see through here, you know, to our bedroom. So I went into the front room to check on that. And I think the blinds were actually closed when I checked. But uh, I I straightened a pile of books on the table, on a coffee table or a side table. And one of the books was about the CIA. And it said CIA real big on the the spine. The spine was pointing, pointing toward the TV. And the TV started talking to me and saying... 
you don't, something like you don't need to read that book or something to that effect. I don't, I probably wrote it down. There, I just don't there's a voice it. on the TV that knows yeah. she has a book on the coffee table so, about the CIA. And the voice is telling her, you don't need to read that book about the CIA. So you, like, turned, look, yeah, you turned the pile of books so that the TV couldn't see the spine anymore. Right? Yeah, it was pretty creepy. So much, much of what we have to talk about tonight involves the CIA. We've been doing a lot of research, reading a lot of articles, watching a ton of videos, following our friends on Periscope. Um, Adam, buddy, when you listen to the podcast, this is going out to you. Uh, this is going to dovetail a lot on what Adam Gingrich, who goes by John Wick of Politics, what he's been talking about. We're going to add to the, some of what he's been he's been talking about. Yeah, the yeah, CIA, CIA is spying. Yeah. CIA is spying on us, unfortunately. That's so what we're finding out. We're finding that out. We're we're not uh, we're not we're not tinfoil hat people. We don't do conspiracy theories, but we've been doing a lot of research. And we're finding out some things that you guys need to know about. Now, I, I got in a conversation with a friend of mine a few days ago. And he said, you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, if you're not involved in criminal activity, why, why does anybody care if the CIA matter. is reading your emails, reading your Facebook messages? It doesn't matter. I you know, what's to, a big deal? I right? used to say that, too. I used to say that, too. After 9-11 and the <laughs> Patriot Act. And what we are going to tell you tonight is going to ask you to either take the red pill or the blue pill because there is some stuff going on that is going to make you think maybe we need to be concerned about this. All right. So Denise and I have been listening to the press conferences that Sean Spicer does in the morning with the mainstream media. And honestly, every single day we listen to these press conferences and go, how does he do it? It sounds like Groundhog's Day every day because it's a repeat. Same, same questions, questions. Same stupid he questions. He explains to one reporter what, the, what is going on and they don't, and the next reporter will ask a question about the same thing, implying and, you know, and, and full of innuendo and they, they're not picking it up. So you have 15 minutes of the same questions from different people and the next day it's the same reporters asking the same questions he just answered the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that. They will not give up on these questions. And a lot of these questions involve yeah, Russian the iceberg. hacking. Okay, They will not give up on this narrative that Russia hacked the election. So the question is, why? What's the deal? What's going on? Okay, so think back to, just for a minute, think back to before the election. All the polls had Hillary in the lead, with a comfortable lead. And Hillary was going to win. And even on the day of the election, the New York Times said, uh, I think, 97% chance that Hillary's going to win. Nobody expected Trump to win. The Democratic Party did not expect Trump to win. The mainstream media did not expect Trump to win. Because their fake polls, which they were using, and they, were, they create polls with... Uh, undersampling of mm -hmm. certain groups and oversampling of other groups. They created these polls and they believed their own fake polls and they honestly did not expect Trump to win. Okay? Come the election, Trump wins. And now Hillary and the Democratic Party, the machine, have to figure out, have to understand 
what happened. And more importantly, they have to tell America what happened. How did they manage to screw up so badly? How did they... <laughs> they forgot to pray. How... Yeah. <laughs> they forgot to pray. How did they go from having this absolute guaranteed lead pipe sitch, it's just a lock, they're going to win, to, holy cow, Trump won you know, 31 uh, uh, states and won the Electoral right. College. How did that happen? So what happens after the election is protests and the rioting mm. and they developed this Russian hacking narrative. Okay, what is all of this intended to do? It's intended to delegitimize the presidency of Donald Trump. The way that the, the Democratic Party has responded to the loss is to say the only reason Trump won is Russia interfered and twisted the votes, somehow hacked the machines, hacked the voting machines, did something to overrule the obvious win that we should have had. Well, they also think that WikiLeaks got their information from Russia. Right. Which was already pretty and, and we all know, uh, we've watched uh, interviews with Julian Assange, and Julian said, Julian Assange never gives source information for the, for the information that they receive from leaks. They never, ever reveal who the sources are. Julian Assange made an exception, and he said, because this is such an important issue, we're not going to tell you where we got the information from. We'll tell you where we didn't get it from. They did not get the hacked information from Russia. It was not a state actor. It was, and that's what he said. He said it wasn't Russia and it wasn't a, a nation state. It was, right. a, it, was a, it was a private source. John Podesta, right. all the emails that came out about John Podesta were not actually stolen or hacked. Podesta was taken advantage of by a phishing scam. He was sent mm -hmm. an email that said, you know, your email has been hacked, put in your password, you give us your password, and we're going to help you, you know, secure your email. He put in his password, and they hacked his emails, and they downloaded all of his emails. He fell for a stupid internet scam that anyone who's been on the internet for more than two years knows you do not give your password out. Yeah, it's like when you get that fake PayPal thing that wants you to verify your account that is worded like it's... Like it's their second language. <laughs> so, so Podesta fell for a scam, gave them their password. Mm -hmm. That's how they got his emails. He also his... lost a cell phone in a cab or in a something. Cab. He lost a cell phone in a cab. So. Somebody scammed him and got his emails. All right. It wasn't the Russians. It wasn't anything. Now, here's the thing. In the testimonies that we've heard over the last few weeks, all of the people that investigated this have said, there is absolutely no evidence at all that Russia, in any way, shape, or form, and you can go back and listen to the listen to the um, House too, House Intelligence Committee just had their their hearing this week, and the members of the committee asked Rogers, who is uh, NSA, and Comey, <laughs> FBI, is there any evidence that Russia or any other government hacked or manipulated or changed the votes in, in Wisconsin, in Ohio, in uh, Pennsylvania, in Florida. No, 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 no. There's no evidence. There's no evidence that any government changed any votes in the election. What, it, what I'd like to tell you to end this first part of our, 
our, our news conference is there is this Russian hacking of the election narrative is absolutely baseless. There's no evidence of it. And here's the thing. You are going to continue to hear <laughs> Tom. Russia. Tom Schmetzler, buddy. I was never approached by a Russian. Yes, you were. You're a Russian spy, just like <laughs> John McCain actually went on the floor of the Senate and accused, accused Rand Paul of being a Russian, Russian agent operative. this week in, in our, the news. McCain is our so, senator, so, here's, so here's we're the not deal. too proud of him. Here's the deal. The people who lost the election are having a very hard time dealing with it and explaining it to the American public. And the mainstream media is backing this up, which is why in the New York Times and CNN and everybody else, you and, at the press conferences, and the press conferences, they can continue to insist that Russia was involved in the election. And it's, there, there, is no, there is no evidence. And there is never going to be any evidence. Now, here's the thing. Uh, a very, a very well-known and very far-left uh, commentator wrote an article, basically with the observation that uh, liberal uh, democratic leaders need to stop misleading their base of support and building up this expectation that there's going to be evidence of Liberal Russian Russia. hacking yeah. because there is no evidence. Some Democratic leaders are starting to tell their base of support, look, maybe we need to cool off in this Russia thing because it looks like there's, it's likely there isn't going to be any evidence. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Millions of Americans have been told that Russia hacked the election and it's only a matter of time before the evidence comes out. So there's, in this whole election thing, you have to realize half of America and half of the world is watching one movie and the other half is watching a different movie. Yep. So part of the country is watching this movie where Hitler just got elected and he's going to start taking gays and, right. and Mexicans and he's going to put them in cages and lock them up and they're going to be deported and they're going to be put in prison. Okay. <laughs> That's the, that's the movie that half of America is watching. The other half of America is watching this incredibly funny movie where some uh, businessman who was a uh, reality TV star got elected president and he's kicking butt and taking names in Washington and flipping everything upside down and flipping the narrative and doing all this cool stuff. So half of America is watching a nightmare and half of America is watching a comedy. Uh, and and here's the purpose. All of this, all of this, has been for the express purpose of delegitimizing President Trump's election. They want they want to have some reason to believe that Trump should not be president. The Russian hacking thing is all about having a reason to say Trump shouldn't be in office. The next thing they're going to do, Maxine Waters has been talking about this, is uh, she's talking about impeachment. impeachment. They don't have any articles of impeachment. They don't have any crimes that he committed. They don't have any grounds. For but they are going to, they're going to have to start switching the narrative from Russian hacking to something else. And it looks like impeachment is the next thing they're going to start talking about. Now we get to talk about the fun stuff. That was all just... <laughs> That's just preliminary. That's preliminary. We're going to give you a lot of names over the next hour. You may want to grab a piece of paper... And a pencil and write down some names. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You can listen to the replay of this 
and catch the names later on. If you want to research yourself. If you want to do some research. If you want to get your hands on the stuff that we've been reading, go to my Twitter timeline, at Praying Medic, and I've posted a bunch of articles on there that explain what we're going to talk about over the next 45 minutes or an hour. This Earlier this week, on Monday, Devin Nunez, who is the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, I think it's a select committee on intelligence, if I'm not mistaken, hmm. they had... The Comey hearings. Rogers, who is the director of NSA, and Comey. James Comey, who is the director of the FBI, come in and testify. Comey goes in, and Rogers goes in. They're sitting next to each other during this thing, and they're, and they're testifying. And they're, ask, they're asking them questions, and some questions were answered. A lot of them were not. Um, Rogers and Comey basically said, oh, you know, can't comment on that, can't discuss that, can't talk about names, can't do this, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. It was very Contrast. strange. It was very strange the questions that Comey chose to answer and the questions he chose not to answer. We're not going to get into a dissection of what Comey said right. in the hearing, partly because you have to understand this. This was a public hearing. News cameras were there. When you hold a public hearing about national intelligence, there's only so much you can say Mm -hmm. because much of the information is classified. If they're going to have a hearing where they're going to get at the actual classified information, who knows what and what the information is, it's not going to be public. It's going to be a private hearing. Mm-hmm. You have to have a security clearance to be to have the access to this information. So it's not surprising that there wasn't a lot of information to come out in this hearing. It was a public hearing. Now, there are ongoing hearings. There's an ongoing investigation. What was really interesting this week is the impromptu press conference that Devin Nunez held yesterday after the hearing where... Rogers and Comey testified. Nunez comes out and holds, and he's, he's, senators and congressmen don't usually hold press conferences like this. He held a press conference and talked for about 25 minutes about his concerns over what he learned during the hearing and afterward. Now, I was encouraged by what he said because here's what he said. He opened this press conference with, A list of things he's going to do. They want to know. I I need to explain masking. So the government gathers information on citizens and foreign nationals. Here's conversation. Here's here's something you need to know. Here's something you need to know about constitutional law. It is unconstitutional and it is illegal for our intelligence agencies to routinely gather private information about U.S. citizens without cause, without probable cause, without a warrant. What they can do is if they have a reason to do surveillance on a foreign national, they can gather information, but if any of the conversations, if any of the emails, information involves a U.S. citizen, that information has to be made anonymous. The name has to be removed 
masked Redacted, is what they yeah. call it. They, they call it masking. That name of the American citizen has to be kept private. It cannot be revealed because it's illegal to do that. And only certain people have the authorization to unmask the name of a U.S. citizen. And only and for reasons of... Only for reasons of national security. Yeah. And in the hearing, they asked Comey and Rogers who has the authorization to unmask a name of a U.S. citizen. Now, Comey said, I don't have a list of all the people, but it's not that many. There, there's a small number of people. I can get you that list information if you need it. Right. Rogers specifically said twenty about 20 people in the NSA. Now... There was a question about Mike Flynn and, and his name being unmasked. And they said to a very high level in the NSA, probably Rogers or, or some right below him, only those people have the authorization to unmask the name of, a, of a, somebody else in the intelligence community or, or a federal judge, for example, or a congressman. That information being unmasked can only happen at a very high level. I'm not trying to bore you to death. This is important. I'm, I'm going to try to educate you about some terms you're going to see in the news. And I want you to know what these terms mean. So one of the things coming out of this hearing was that there was incidental gathering of information. What incidental means is we were doing surveillance on person A and we incidentally collected information on person B. Because they had a conversation. Or because whatever. they had a conversation. They were, the target was A. The incidental collection was on B. Now, unless person B, and that's what they do, they give them a letter. They say, this is person A, this is person B, to keep them anonymous. The only way you can intentionally gather information on person B, if they're not the target, is if you suddenly realize they're involved in a serious crime, like a felony. Then you, can, you have probable cause, and you can start doing surveillance on person B. That's how the process works for gathering intelligence. There are very, very strict laws about gathering intelligence on U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. You cannot routinely gather and collect information on U.S. citizens. Yeah. You can't collect it and... Spread and, it around to the other agencies. And, yeah, you can't spread it around to other agencies, and you cannot unmask the identities, the identities of the people that are in this uh, information. I'm saying all this because what we're gonna follow up with over the next 30 minutes is gonna involve all this. If you don't understand that, you're gonna be completely confused about what we're talking about. From the hearing, we came to the understanding that only certain, America, only certain people have the ability, have the authorization to reveal the name of American citizens with respect to intelligence that's collected on them. And here's where it gets interesting, because what, what's come out of the news in the last three months is that General Flynn, as an example, but he's not the only person, General Flynn, his private conversations have been leaked to the press, to numerous outlets in the news media. And this was when General Flynn was not a general. 
He was a private U.S. citizen. He was not an official of the government. He was a private citizen. And his private conversations were gathered, unmasked, and disseminated to the media. Okay? All of which is illegal. Right. All of it. Now, the conversations that Flynn had with the Russian ambassador, if the intelligence community was doing surveillance on the Russian ambassador, phone calls between Flynn and the ambassador would be collected. But Flynn would have to remain anonymous, and they could not gather and unmask his name, and, and they certainly couldn't release that information to the press because it's classified. Okay, Even if they had a warrant... Even if they had a warrant, they cannot release the information to the press. It's classified. Any information gathered under a FISA warrant is classified. It cannot be leaked to the press, and you have to have... Clearance. View classified information. Right. So this is where we start to go into this um, conversation about criminal activity. And what Devin Nunez said in his press conference yesterday is... This is what he said. It's clear that U.S. citizens have had their intelligence, their uh, private information gathered. Their names have been unmasked. The information has been leaked to the media. And we are going to find out who authorized it, who unmasked them, and, and why this information was given to the media. This is what this, the House Intelligence Committee is going to be pursuing in the next few weeks. Now, here's what you want to know. James Clapper, John Brennan, Sally Yates are all going to be going in and testifying before the House Intelligence Committee. Tuesday. Clapper was a former director of national intelligence. Brennan was a former director of CIA under Obama. Yates was the deputy attorney general under Loretta Lynch. They're all going to be testifying before Congress next week. And Nunez and the committee are going to be given a chance to ask them questions about more questions about how this intelligence is being gathered, who is being unmasked, and who authorized it. Now, an interesting thing came out, that, and President Trump tweeted about this um, about a week or two ago. He asked a question. And if you want to know, if you want to know what's going on in America, behind the scenes, follow President Trump's Twitter Tweets. timeline. Yeah. You will learn what's about to be hitting the news cycle. So President Trump tweeted out, Is it true that the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, refused to allow the FBI access to their hacked server? Right. So the DNC... Servers got hacked, WikiLeaks put up the info, everybody read their emails. And the, the FBI, who is the chief uh, criminal investigation wing of the government, never investigated or looked into the server that was hacked, the DNC server. Okay, The server was evaluated by a company, a private company called CrowdStrike. One of the, one of the founders of CrowdStrike, this private company is a former chief of the FBI. The other founder is a Russian Russian intelligence uh, guy. 
There is there is some There's a connection. There's a connection here. Okay, I'll just I'll just go for this. Yeah. CrowdStrike, a private contractor, they evaluated the DNC's hacked uh, computer and determined that it was hacked by Russians. Now, here's the interesting thing. The same company, CrowdStrike, evaluated military hardware owned by the Ukrainian military. When uh, the Ukrainian military suffered some devastating losses in their war with, with Russia, CrowdStrike evaluated a mobile app on a field artillery and said it had been hacked by the Russians. Now, the Ukrainian commander and a number of people in the Ukrainian government, when they read the report by CrowdStrike saying that it was hacked by the Russians, they said there's no way this could have been hacked by the Russians. It's, that's, that's ridiculous. And they gave a lot of good reasons why they thought this report was erroneous. This same company, CrowdStrike, has reported that the DNC server was hacked by the Russians. And all 17 intelligence agencies in the U.S. agreed with CrowdStrike that it was Russian hacking, even though none of them inspected the server. Yeah. They, took, Crowds, they took CrowdStrike's word for it, and none of them investigated or interrogated the logs, server logs, or anything. They just said, oh, it, it has to be the Russians. One of the things that came out in WikiLeaks Vault 7 is the fact that our intelligence community has the ability to create malware and viruses that can infect and invade virtually any computer system in the world. And, and they have gotten so sneaky, what they can do is they can take code, computer code, from China from North Korea, from Russia, from any country, some computer codes have uh, bits of code that are almost like fingerprints that identify the country of origin. Now, here's something to consider. The NSA is so good at creating viruses and malware and software that they can create malware that leaves no fingerprint at all as to where it came from. <laughs> our government, our intelligence agency, can create software that completely erases any hint of where it came from. So when we did the Stuxnet virus that was responsible for taking down the Iranian nuclear, nuclear uh, program, centrifuges. the centrifuges, we created a virus that basically blew up the Iranian nuclear centrifuges, so that to, which delayed their ability to produce enriched uranium. Well, the virus that we created was designed in such a way that the, the Iranians never, ever would have been able to figure out it was, that it was there or where it came from. Mm -hmm. The problem came in that we were involved with Israel, and Israel tweaked the code and they created, they added some software to it that fingered it back to Israel and us. Yeah, that's in the movie Zero Days. That's in the movie Zero Days. If you have not seen the movie Zero Days, make sure you see it. It's on you. Going, going back to CrowdStrike and the server in Trump Tower. Okay. 
Think about this. Our intelligence community has developed the ability to create malware and viruses and software that can not only hide the source of origin, but mimic another source of origin. So we can create malware and viruses and software programs that make it appear as if they came from Russia. Now we're doing 4D chess because the NSA can create a virus, implant it on a computer network in Iran and make it appear as if Russia did it. Now think about that. What has been happening with the server in Trump's tower? It's been communicating with two banks in Russia, uh, SV Bank and Alpha Bank, two Russian banks. And it's been communicating to a third source, which is a healthcare network in Michigan. Those are the only internet traffic sources that were uh, being pinged on this server in Trump's Tower were two banks in Russia and one healthcare network in Michigan. No other internet traffic at all on the server in Trump Tower. And now it comes out, the fact that our intelligence community has the ability to fake internet traffic, fake the origin of malware, to basically make it appear that any country in the world is doing the surveillance and the planting the viruses, our NSA, our, our intelligence community, RCA, could easily set up a program on this server and make it appear as if Russia was communicating with this server when they actually weren't. And then our Department of Justice could go to a federal judge and say, we have computer logs that say there's a server in Trump Tower that's communicating with banks in Russia. We want a warrant to gather to surveil. surveillance on that tower. And it could be a total lie. It could be that the CIA or the NSA set it up to make it appear as if Russia was communicating with Trump Tower and it never were. This is the level of deception that we are at now with our intelligence community. The intelligence community can make it appear as if your computer is talking to a bank in Russia and they can then get a warrant to surveil you and gather all of your information and make it look as if you're communicating with Russia even though you never are. You know what else they can do? We're about to find out. Hang on. Yeah, there's more. This is, so, this is huge. There are people who are ex-military they are former intelligence contractors, or they've worked for NSA, they've worked for CIA, and they know what our intelligence community is doing. And they are fed up with it. In the same way that an anonymous FBI agent went on 4chan and was talking to the anonymous community and telling them there is widespread pedophile activity in the FBI and the CIA and they want it stopped, and we're gonna give you some information and you guys need to go after it. In the same way that there was a, an FBI agent who wanted this exposed. Good guys, yeah. Good guys in, in, in the FBI. There are good people in the intelligence community who want to blow the whistle to tell the truth about what our intelligence community is doing. One of them is named Dennis Montgomery. Write the name down. You're going to be hearing a lot about Dennis Montgomery in the, in the coming months. 
And you'll also see that they tried to discredit him in the past. Right. So he was working for the government, and then they ended up rehiring him after they said he was a crook. Montgomery has a colorful past. So Dennis Montgomery is a former employee with National Security Agency, NSA. He is a computer genius, according to everyone who has been come in contact with him. Extremely bright, very savvy. L listening to one of Adam Gingrich's periscopes, uh, and he said, you know, do you understand who the CIA hires, by the way, just in case you're curious? So you can't get into the military unless you've got, you know, if you have felony arrests <laughs> on a bad background, you're not going to get into the into the military. But the CIA is a civilian agency. Okay, it's not military. CIA can hire anybody they want, and what they typically do is when they're they CIA doesn't really do much training for people in the area of cyber terrorism and espionage. They they recruit people who are already good at it. Right. So when the CIA finds you hacking a bank and hacking into a, a, a computer network and hacking systems and they figure they think out you're pretty good. They, they realize you've got <laughs> skills. They come and knock on your door and say, okay, here's the deal. We've got you. You're either going to federal prison or you're going to go to work for us. The CIA recruits people who are really good computer hackers. They basically tell them you're either working for us or you're going to jail. So... It shouldn't surprise us that there are some very sketchy people in the CIA. There's a guy named Dennis Montgomery who has been, who is a very, very talented computer guy. He can write programs and he understands computer systems like nobody else. During the Bush administration, okay, this goes back a long time. Somewhere around 2004. 2004, we think. We think, maybe. He was asked to create... Uh, a computer system that could get past passwords, firewalls. Well, they wanted to get into catch terrorists plotting things. Right. Was I mean, the this start is, of it. This is you during this is during the Bush Wars, right? And they thought, you know, if we could get the emails and if we could get into the websites of Al Qaeda, that would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. So they, so Montgomery said, I can do that. I can, I, I can totally do that. So Montgomery wrote some programs that would allow the CIA to hack into the email accounts and the websites of Al-Qaeda operatives. And they were able to kind of take down their websites and infiltrate and figure out what they were doing and get all their emails. All of this stuff always starts out with a noble a good objective and then it gets perverted. They realized that they had the ability to get past passwords, firewalls, and security measures that people put up to prevent you from getting into websites and emails. And that okay. was that system of just trying all these passwords it's, really it's, fast it's a, with a computer. It's a brute force. Brute it's force. a brute force attack. Yeah. What they did was they created these computers that could do right, on the order of like a million possible password combinations, password combinations. In, in an hour. And they just tried millions of combinations, and eventually they would, by brute force, 
just doing random numbers, they would get past your password and get into your system. Brute force attack. Years later, now we're into the Obama administration, and there is a program developed that's called Dragnet. Operation Dragnet is a intelligence gathering program that is a mass surveillance information gathering program that just grabs information from millions of people. It's been around for a long time. It's pretty well known. It's not a big secret. But Dr mm -hmm. Operation Dragnet was sort of the beginning of this surveillance program. They had a, a, a criminal that they were trying to prosecute, and they wanted his bank records. Either, I could forget if it was Clapper or Brennan asked Montgomery, could you get into this bank? Citibank. I know, because I have a credit card with them. <laughs> because initially they wanted to catch the money that was going around. Yeah, it was, it was money with laundering. the terrorists. And they wanted to get the bank account information to get proof that they were laundering money. So Montgomery goes, yeah, we, I can do that. So he creates a program that hacks into uh, the database of a bank. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the night, they hacked into the database of Citibank, disabled the uh, alarms and alerts that would let them know there was a break-in, a security breach. They were in there for an hour. They downloaded a bunch of information and got out and then reactivated all the security stuff Citibank never knew that their database got hacked. So now they have bank account numbers of everyone. Well, hang on. What happened? What happened first was they got the information on the terrorists. Then right. Brennan and Clapper asked them, could you go in and get us more information? And Montgomery was like, look, there's a chance we're going to get caught if we do this. And they were like, okay, well, let's just take the chance. On the chance of getting caught, let's see if you can hack in and get a lot of information. So they did. They went in and they downloaded information for an hour and then got out and came up with thousands of names, account numbers, PIN numbers, passwords, and all the bank account information for random people that were uh, members of Citibank. You see where this is going? And they said, look, can you do this to Wells Fargo? Can you do it to Bank of America? Can you do it to this bank and that bank? And he goes, yeah, we can do that. So they started hacking into the databases of all these different banks, and they have gathered names, bank account information, PIN numbers, passwords, and bank and credit card information for millions of people who bank at banks all over the country. So this is not, in my mind, this is not just surveillance, but this is hacking. This is not surveillance. And identity. This is not hacking really identity and theft, identity guess, theft. It's identity theft. But we don't if, know what they did with if that. If this information gets into the hands of somebody, if Anybody? somebody hacks their database and gets the bank account information, passwords, credit card numbers of these people, they can use it. They could use it anyway if they wanted to. So even so, if you're not doing anything wrong and you don't mind that they're watching you, <laughs> so they're collecting Montgomery, things they shouldn't be collecting. They're collecting information they have no right to collect. They don't have warrants for any of this. There is no way that you can get a warrant to gather the bank account information of millions of people. That You can't, you can't get a warrant for that. Enter Tim Blixith. Tim Blixeth, B-L-I-X-E-T-H, uh, another sketchy character who is was a real estate billionaire. 
made most of his money in logging and um, real estate stuff. Blixeth got himself kind of in a in a in a in a bind. He got into a very ugly divorce case with his with his wife. They'd been married for twenty five years. It, she was had her own business. She had a lot of money. He had a lot of money. He said he made like one point three billion dollars off real estate deals. Blixeth faced off against Dennis Montgomery in a court case involving his ex-wife. Montgomery was helping the his ex-wife's attorney. And so Blixeth has his own attorney. And he goes up against his ex-wife. So Montgomery was working with and friends with the, his ex-wife's attorney. And every time they went to court, the opposing attorney knew information about him and about his attorneys about stuff that they shouldn't have known. It's like, how do they know this information? And it went on for a long time. Finally, Blixeth confronts Montgomery. I guess they talked and said, how do you know all this information? Where are you getting all this stuff from? Are you hacking in? What happened was, Montgomery says, yeah, you're right. I have been hacking. I've been hacking your attorney's computers. I've been hacking. Uh, I have all the information that we need. I'm giving it to this other attorney. You had, you had no chance in this case. Well, his wife ended up working with this Montgomery guy, didn't she? Yes. Starting a business. She she had some sketchy operations going on where she was yeah. accused of doing some money laundering through some banks in Phoenix. Okay? Yeah, this ties into Arizona this and Sheriff Arizona. Joe Arpaio. So what happens is Blitzeth, his, his ex-wife, ends up opening an account in some banks down here in Phoenix. And Blitzeth... Is has an axe to grind against his ex-wife. Blixeth wanted he he had a real axe to grind against his ex-wife and the partners that his ex-wife was working with. So Blixeth comes down to Phoenix and talks to Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Yes, Jeannie. Yes. And Sheriff Joe happens to be in a war against President Obama. This has been going on for the last eight years. Sheriff Joe and President Obama got in this big war. First, it was the birth certificate. Then it was uh, racial profiling. They have taken him to court for And there was all this court stuff going on. Blixeth understood that Sheriff Joe had an axe to grind against Obama. Well, and that he might have the guts to actually and that he might have the guts do something. To do something. About this information. And Blixeth was now friends with Montgomery. And Montgomery was trying to become a whistleblower. Now, I'm going to say this again. Dennis Montgomery, the guy who was a computer hacker, who created these programs, these super programs to, do, to spy on us, wanted to blow the whistle. He was, he, was, he was terminally ill. He had a brain aneurysm, and he was going to die. So... He wanted to get clean, and he wanted to blow the whistle, and he wanted to let the American people know about the spying programs. And he figured that if he worked with Blixeth and Sheriff Joe, maybe they could facilitate getting this information out into the public. Well, it, it never happened. Um, Sheriff Joe... And There's a recording of that conversation. <laughs> With Sheriff Joe, Man. I recognize his voice. Sheriff Joe and um, his, his deputy, deputy, Mike Zulo. Zulo. Um, what happened was, what happened was, this is how, interesting how it came out. So, Sheriff Joe 
is accused of racial profiling in a very, it's a big case, and it goes before a judge with the last name of Snow. Well, Snow is actually a Maricopa, uh, he's, he's a Phoenix um, federal judge. It got appealed to the Ninth Circuit. Oh, okay. Snow is a, is a local federal judge. He hears the case against Joe Arpaio, uh, uh, racial profiling, all this other stuff. And during the trial, the information is presented as evidence. It's a conversation that was recorded between Tim Blixeth, Sheriff Joe, Mike Zullo, and Blixeth's attorney, Mike Flynn. They're in a room and they're talking. Uh, and Blixeth tells Sheriff Joe about this computer program and computer system that is able to do surveillance on everybody in America. And this is where we first learn about the hammer. If you go to my Twitter timeline, at PrayingMedic, you will find uh, an article there that I tweeted out. And it has links in the article to a bunch of SoundCloud audio clips that were part of the, the record that was entered into evidence during this case, where Blixeth explains to Sheriff Joe this computer called the Hammer that Clapper and Brennan authorized Montgomery to create. Blixeth explains to Sheriff Joe that Montgomery was authorized by Brennan and Clapper to help them build a supercomputer that could hack any network, any computer, any database in the world. So they asked Montgomery, what would it take? And they said, you'd need a massive computer and gave him the specs. And they said, okay, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dennis Montgomery has had a lot written about him. Uh, a New York Times columnist wrote some not-so-happy articles about Montgomery, calling him a con man. The information that Dennis Montgomery has given Sheriff Joe and given to other people has been looked at by various people, and Montgomery has been called a fraud. Just understand that there's been a lot of negative press about Dennis Montgomery. Some of it may be true. Some of it may not be. But what you need to know is this. Clapper and Brennan told Montgomery, okay, you give us the specs and we'll build it. They went to a place in, it's in Maryland, and it is disguised as a, there's a, front, yeah. a, a naval intelligence operation. What it really is, it is a massive supercomputer that they built called the Hammer that is able to gather information on anyone, anywhere, and what... Blixeth said is they have been, they have literally hacked all of America. The hammer, it is able to, it is such a high, highly proficient processor that it can blow past any security. It's impossible to create. Leslie said who paid for this? Taxpayers? Oh, yes. I believe oh, they yes. did. And this is where it's going to get ugly is who paid for it. You and I paid for it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how that gets authorized by Congress. This is what Devin Nunez is flipping out about. 
Whether you know that or not, you're going to get red-pilled here in a minute. Okay. So Tim Blixeth basically is telling Joe Arpaio, they have this supercomputer they call the Hammer that is able to do surveillance on anybody and gather everything. And the database is not keeping people anonymous. They showed Sheriff Joe, um, they gave him a thumb drive, and it had three million names and phone numbers and addresses on the thumb drive, and none of it was concealed. It's all unmasked, all of it. Donald Trump. Donald Trump was, was in, there in there lots. Sheriff Joe was in there. Judges. Zula was in there. Supreme federal Court. judges. Supreme Court judges. Congressmen. All of their information. All their phone calls. Dennis Montgomery, the guy who helped create this, has 47 hard drives worth of data taken by from Americans by the hammer that amounts to 600 million pages of data. Okay. Well, and some of it's audio, I think. Some of it's audio, but it, it, the equivalent is, if mm -hmm. you transcribe it, 600 million pages of data. To give you an idea, Vault 7, WikiLeaks Vault 7, Part 1, which came out two weeks ago, is 9,000 pages of data. That is three times what Edward Snowden put out. Snowden put out about 3,000 pages of information. WikiLeaks Vault 7 Part 1 was 9,000 pages. This information that Dennis Montgomery has on 47 hard drives is the equivalent of 600 million pages of data. Blitzeth told Sheriff Joe, what they do is they start with your phone number and they cross-reference your phone number with your bank account. And then all of your other information, okay, it all starts with the phone number. They had information on 150,000 people just in Maricopa County alone. Uh, 500,000 people in the state of Arizona who they've gathered their personal information and have it in this database. We live in Maricopa County. We live in we, Maricopa County. We moved here in 2011. They started this in 2009 after Obama got Right. Elected. Right. The hammer. So here is here's the next stage of, of our little story. Sheriff Joe was never really able to get on board with this thing. Montgomery did not die. They did, they did surgery on his brain aneurysm, and, and he's, he's still around. And, and now it gets interesting. So Larry Clayman, you might want to write this name down. K-L-A-Y-M-A-N. Some Larry of you Clayman. will recognize his name from Judicial Watch because he was He's, the founder of right. Judicial Watch. Larry He's Clayman. not with them anymore. Clayman is a well-known uh, attorney, founder of Judicial Watch. He is now with Freedom Watch. He has a new organization. And I, the reason why is he said Judicial Watch mostly does FOIAs. They don't actually take people's cases and, and help litigate. So Clayman is now has a new organization called Freedom Watch. It's a group of attorneys, and they help litigate cases against the government. Larry Clayman has been representing Dennis Montgomery for the last two years at least that we know of. Now, by the way, this recorded conversation with Joe Arpaio, Sheriff Joe, and Blixeth took place, as far as we can determine, about 2013. 
it looks like. In one of the articles that I read where all this is all detailed, they said this happened, I think, in, a, in September-ish of 2013. So three and a half years ago. There was even something about hacking into the voting machines in Florida. Oh, yes. ID. Clapper and Brennan, in the early stages of developing the hammer, asked Montgomery if he could hack the, the voter registration database in Florida before the 2008 election. They asked Montgomery if he could get into the voter database, and he did. And they, <laughs> this is crazy. They, they said, take the database, burn it to some CDs. So he did. Brennan or Clapper, one of them, gave him back some CDs and said, upload these in, in, in place of what you just download, uh, downloaded. So they uploaded a new voter database in Florida. Just to let you know how the, how the weird things that are going on here. Moving forward. In, in 2015, Larry Clayman takes over as attorney for Dennis, for Dennis Montgomery. Montgomery, Montgomery still wants to be a whistleblower. He wants to let everybody know what's going on. Okay? Now, Barack Obama said about Snowden... If Snowden would have followed the whistleblower protocols, he would not be a wanted man. Like if you come to the government with government if you come corruption, to the, if you come to the government and tell us about government corruption, then you won't get prosecuted. you won't get prosecuted. But if you go to the press with government but if corruption, you go to the press about government corruption, we're going to throw you in jail, right? Having learned that, Larry Clayman, who is his new attorney says, okay, let's go to all the intelligence agencies. So Montgomery and his attorney, Larry Clayman, have approached NSA, CIA, Homeland Security, FBI, every intelligence agency, all 17 of them, and said, Montgomery has information. He, has, he wants to come forward as a whistleblower. Want to do it the right way. Every single agency has told him no. They don't want to hear his information. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to take it. They, have, they don't want anything to do with him being a whistleblower. They're trying to do it the right way, and none of the intelligence agencies will let him come forward as a whistleblower. So what choice does he have now? He has tried to do it legitimately, and they said, no, we're not interested. Now, in 2015, Clayman and Montgomery... Go to Comey at the FBI and say, we have information. We want to come forward as a whistleblower. You need to take this information. So they sit him down in a room. They go through it all, the hard drives. They, give him the, they turn over the information to them. FBI takes the information, takes the deposition, takes the statements. Clayman expects that the FBI is now going to investigate and, and release this information and find out what's going on. But nothing happens for two years. That was 2015. Now it's 2017. Nothing has happened. So prior to the week before, Devin Nunez held this House Intelligence Committee hearing. Clayman, last week or week before, sent a letter to Devin Nunez. And Clayman said specifically, I represent 
Dennis Montgomery. He is a whistleblower. We have information. Comey has the information. We started an investigation. We want you to ask Comey in this in hearing, hearing, why hasn't anything been done about this in- information? It was CC'd to about a dozen different people in Congress, asking, basically saying, my client, Dennis Montgomery, has come forward as a whistleblower. He has all this information and nothing has been done about it. We demand that Comey be a- answer why nothing has been done. And Clayman said you need to ask this question of Comey in the hearing. Now, this is where it gets ugly. Monday, there's the hearing. And all these people had opportunities to ask questions, but nobody asked the question about Dennis Montgomery and the hammer, the unauthorized surveillance that Clapper and Brennan had been running for years. It never came up in the hearing. And that was the last chance that Congress had to deal with this issue. They have had their last chance. It's over. When nobody on the, on the House Intelligence Committee questioned Comey about Clapper's and Brennan's illegal surveillance program called the Hammer, the people in the intelligence community who are whistleblowers said, okay, you're done. If you're not going to play ball, if you're not going to do it the right way, we are going to let this it. information go out and we're going to expose it ourselves. So now, information about the hammer and all of the illegal surveillance is coming out because Congress knew about it and wouldn't do anything. Now, now think about this. You have to understand, everything that the CIA and the NSA do has to be funded and money has to be appropriated for those programs to happen. That comes through the intelligence committees. The intelligence committees, that when they have to fund black ops, things that they don't want anyone to know about, they kick out everyone who doesn't have security clearance, close the doors, lock it down, and then they talk about their secret black ops and they approve the money that's going to be spent on these programs. But don't they also get money through the poppy fields in Afghanistan? Well, yeah, they do. The CIA, <laughs> they has, have their own the CIA money. gets money from a lot of creative ways. But here's some very uncomfortable things. When Nunez came out yesterday and had this news conference, he was really he nervous. Was, he was really shook. nervous. He looked like a dude who had just seen his grandmother's ghost. Because um, I'm sure he was like threatened. Okay, you didn't ask the question in the hearing, and now we're going to expose this thing. One of the things that Nunez is is kind of aggravated about is a year and a half ago, the CIA was under. Uh, Senate oversight for some illegal activities, including torture of people that they were interrogating. And the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee was investigating the CIA. The CIA illegally started snooping and spying on members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And they hacked into the phone conversations and they hacked into the database illegally. And when the Senate members of the Senate Intelligence Committee found out that the CIA was surveilling them and hacking the database, they got pissed off. And there but was nothing ever came of it. I mean, not, yeah, nothing ever came of it, but there was this war between the CIA and the Senate 
Intelligence Committee, which oversees them and is responsible for funding them and authorizing everything they do. What do you do when you're responsible for oversight and funding uh, an organization like the CAA that is messing with everything that you're trying to, to, to uh, make happen? Very frustrating thing. Nunez said that what they found out reminds him of what happened a year and a half ago. If Nunez didn't know this already, he's naive. But obviously he found out that he and other members of Congress are having all of their phone records surveilled and gathered, all their bank account information, all their tax information is all being gathered, collected, and people like Clapper and Brennan have it. And what they're doing with it is they are blackmailing people. That is the express purpose of gathering this information. Politics is all about who gets to spend the money. It's all about there's this pile of money and how is it going to be spent. And the way that you get politicians to support your agenda is you blackmail them and you use extortion. You get dirt on them. And you can even upload pornography to their computers. Right. You threaten them with exposing the things that people don't want them to know about. One of the things we found out in this is that, and this is what Montgomery said, look, he goes, I can tomorrow, I can upload to your computer files of child pornography, and I can make a phone call to your boss and say, hey, why don't you check out so-and-so? I was with him at Starbucks the other day, I saw him downloading child porn on his computer. Your boss asks you to open up your computer at work and they find child porn on your computer and you're fired. Like that. Yeah, they, they, were, can they were specifically surveying um, Justice Roberts. They, they have, he yeah. was on the list, including Trump and um, Ginsburg. Justice Ruth, Ruth Ginsburg. Bader Ginsburg, Justice Roberts, Trump, they've all been surveilled. It's even worse than that. I saw a list, okay, it's on one of the articles I that I tweeted out. I saw a list of all of these people with, it's Donald Trump, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner. Addresses of all their locations. All of their businesses. All of their private addresses. Including All of their phone services. numbers. Places where they've gone. People that they've talked to. Their pho- private phone numbers. You can go on there and see the list of all the private information on there that the government has gathered on them. They have been doing surveillance on Trump and his family since 2004. They have been gathering all their information, phone calls, emails, addresses, contacts, wherever they go. They have been surveilling them for years. All of us, they've been doing it for a long time. Now, here's the thing. They're not surveilling everybody to the same degree. They have targeted people that they're, that they're doing surveillance on. They tend to target Political people, business people, judges, people in power, because those are the people you can blackmail. And then anybody they come in contact with. And anyone with. they're in contact so with. So it spreads out to a larger net than just those people that are being targeted. We what, we saw, what we saw in the database is it goes back to 2004. Maybe that's when they Why they began in 2004, we're not sure. They had but the capability to do it. The, the, the information we saw in the database goes back that far. It may go back farther, we don't know. But at least they've been surveil- doing surveillance on a lot of people since 2004. This is more um, interesting than any reality show that Trump could come up with. Oh my gosh. We are only in the beginning stages 
of all this stuff. Now, you guys, I've been telling you on my, on my, my videos for the last, I don't know, two months. Remember I had that dream. In the dream, Donald Trump came into a huge stash of secret information and he put it out there for everyone to know what was going on. Very transparent. And I took some of that information and I disseminated it to my people in my circle of influence. I'm, I'm now beginning to wonder if the hammer is that stash Dream. of information mm -hmm. that is going to be coming, it's going to be coming out. It's out there now. And a lot of this technology was developed in response to terrorism. It's all part of the, the Joint Patriot Terrorism Act. Task Force, the Patriot Act. They wanted to crack down on terrorism. So they created these very powerful tools to stop terrorism. But now they're using it against citizens. What we've got now is we've got a situation where a bunch of patriots who have worked in the intelligence community and the military... And they know what the government is doing and they're coming forward and they're exposing the corruption and the illegal activities of the government. This is going to implicate a lot of people because when it comes to high level U.S. citizens like Mike Flynn, only people like the attorney general and NSA director and the CIA director have the ability to unmask the private information of those people. So what is very likely to happen is you're going to start seeing people prosecuted. The Senate Intelligence Committees will have hearings. House will have hearings. They're going to have to get to the bottom of this and figure out who authorized it, who unmasked these U.S. citizens, who authorized, and, and, maybe, and maybe it's Congress. Kathy. Maybe Congress knew all the time that this was going on, and if they, so... They have some explaining to do yeah. because all of this activity is illegal. To get the passwords, they had to hack. You know, right. it wasn't just oh, we're doing surveillance. We're actually hacking into your right. They your they use sophisticated computers and programs to by brute force hack bank accounts and emails to get your passwords, your PIN numbers, your credit card information, your all of that stuff, and. There is no way that that is not going to be prosecuted. So some people are going to be going to jail here pretty soon. Depending on how far uh, Jeff Sessions and the Department of Justice want to go with this, it's going to be up to them to decide who gets prosecuted and at what at what level. But this this is some very serious information that's coming out. And, you know, the mainstream media is going to try to bury this. They are going to try to bury this and not let it come out. But it is going to be coming out. But we all know that we've prayed for things to be revealed, for corruption to be re revealed. And God is in this. Let me throw in a little treat here, a little Scooby snack for you. So in the hearing on Monday, Comey said to Trey Gowdy, when Gowdy asked him, or Nunez asked him, one of them said, how long is it going to take for your um, investigation on Donald Trump to... Now, this is one of the weird things. Donald Trump and the Russian connection. Right. So, FBI typically does not confirm or deny the existence of an investigation. They don't comment on it. They can't tell you if an investigation is happening or not happening. They just don't comment if there is or isn't an investigation. Comey said that he had been given authorization to let 
Congress know that there was an ongoing investigation on Donald Trump. Now, the interesting thing is he would not confirm whether or not there was an investigation into the leaking of Donald Trump's information. So the leaking investigation, we're not going to talk about. But I can tell you there's an investigation in Donald Trump. And when he was asked, Comey was asked, how long is this investigation going to go on? He's like, oh, he said, well, you know, we don't really know. It's hard to tell. You know, it could be forever. Depends on where it goes. Here's the thing that you need to remember. About two weeks ago, Andrew McCabe, who is the deputy director of the FBI. Under Comey. Under Comey, went to the White House and told Rents Priebus that we've been investigating Trump and there is no evidence of Russian collusion. McCabe told the White House already we know there is no evidence of collusion. So effectively, the FBI's investigation is over. For the purposes of the public hearing, they're not going to say the investigation's over. But effectively, it is. We know that already because McCabe said we, don't, we didn't find anything. So Comey will continue to play this game as long as he can. But they're going to be having Clapper and Brennan and Yates, who was the acting attorney general, Yates took over as the interim attorney general. And then Trump fired... But she's an Obama guy. Fired her. Person well, too. Yates is going to be appearing in front of uh, the House Intelligence Committee next week with Clapper and Brennan. And I believe Comey is coming back for a cameo appearance. I think they want to do some follow-up questioning with him. Next week when they have the hearing, all of the characters are going to be there except for Loretta Lynch. It's hard to speculate who's going to go to jail. I'll give you what Adam Gingrich thinks. He looked nervous, though, at the hearing. Oh, yeah, he looked very nervous. Adam Gingrich says that Andrew McCabe is going to go to jail. If you're a department director, if you're a department head, and you have some sketchy stuff going on in your department, you make sure you have somebody under you that you can throw under the bus and blame everything on them. According to George Webb, who's been doing the Where is Eric Braverman series, George Webb says that Andrew McCabe has been a Clinton hack for years. He has done a lot of work for the Clintons. He's done a lot of illegal work for the Clintons. It, it's, it's hard to say. It is very difficult to say who's going to end up getting prosecuted. Is Loretta Lynch going to be prosecuted? Or is it going to be Yates? Or is it going to be another deputy director of the Justice Department? Is Barack Obama going to be prosecuted? There is some evidence that suggests that Obama could probably be prosecuted for several different things. It's very difficult to determine who is going to be prosecuted. It's very convenient that Barack Obama left the country. On the way out of the country, he stopped in Hawaii to hang out with his old law school buddy, who is a judge, who put a temporary restraining order on President Trump's uh, travel ban. And then Obama left for French Polynesia for a month. While all of this boiling cauldron of junk is coming out in, in congressional hearings. What, what the Democrats have been doing with all of Trump's cabinet appointments is they've been stretching everything out as far as they can. And they stretch it out and they stretch it out and they stretch it out. And at the end of the day, all of his appointments have gone through because the Democrats do not have the votes to stop 
any of President Trump's appointments. They can filibuster. All a filibuster does is it it, it wastes a, a day or two of people yakking and running their mouths. And then when the filibuster is over, Paul Ryan gets up there and says, we need to have a vote. And Mitch McConnell says, hey, we need to have a vote in the Senate. And they get approved. And so the filibuster is, is just a waste of time. Uh, the Democrats are, in, are out of power. They don't have the votes to stop anything. You know, the only reason why the health care bill got pulled today, so Paul Ryan was going to take his health care bill before uh, the House and try to have a vote on it, and he pulled it, and they're probably going to vote next week on it because they didn't have the votes. It doesn't matter the Democrat votes. It's Republican votes. Republicans have a majority in the House and Senate. It's really only the Republican votes that matter. And in, in on the health care bill, there's the Freedom Caucus and there's different groups of Republicans, and they could not get enough votes from Republicans to pass this bill, so they never brought it up for vote. Because the moderate Republicans want one thing, and the very conservative Republicans, Republicans want, something else. want something else. Me, so. we, we personally would like to see them just get rid of Ryan's bill and let Rand Paul put, pour, put out his health care bill. It's five pages. But that doesn't mean that'll pass either. Um, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it'll pass. And the other problem is Rand Paul is in the Senate, and this has to go to the House. The, the health care bill is going to be an issue, but you have to understand... Republicans are in control. They control the House, they control the Senate, and they control the White House. So Democrats, all they can do is stall. They like to use their voice anyway. They like to use their voice. On the news program. But they're they're the party that is out of power right now. So, Leslie Taylor, you heard that premiums are going up uh, according to your agent income. Well, let me tell you. Here in Arizona, if you happen to be on one of the Obamacare exchanges... Your premiums went up 120% this year alone. You have to understand something about Obamacare. Obamacare was a ticking time bomb that the Democrats put together in an 8,000-page document, and they didn't want anyone to understand what it meant. They didn't want anyone to understand what was going to happen, and it was going to be phased in over the course of nine years. Here's the really bad thing about Obamacare. There were gradual increases in premiums that were going to come in in later years that you didn't see in the first years. And it's very interesting that 10 days before the election in 2016, they announced what the increases were going to be for the next year. And we in Arizona found out that on Obamacare... The increases are going to be 120% for one year. What they didn't tell people is, they didn't tell you your, in, your premiums would start out at $400 a month and then go to $800 and then go to $1,500 and then go to $2,000 a month. They didn't tell you that because Obamacare was designed to become very expensive at the end because in 2016, they expected Hillary Clinton to be president. They planned it all out. Ten days before the election, they figured Hillary was going to be elected. So they announced what the, what the uh, premiums were going to be. And when people found out 
in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Ohio and Florida that the Obamacare incre- increases were going to go sky high. Don't Do you not think that that flipped a few votes? Mm-hmm. They did not anticipate that the announcement of Obamacare insurance premiums increase was going to change votes. It was going to benefit and, Trump. And I suspect that some people found out that Obamacare was going to start to hammer people. Our and, insurance and, for the and two they, of us. And Trump was saying, we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. In 2016, people really started to figure out Obamacare was going to, was going to mess up a lot of people. And it's only going to get worse. If Obamacare is not repealed, the insurance premiums continue to get worse higher and higher and what's happening is a lot of like in Arizona I think there's only one insurance company that's still in Arizona on the exchanges so it was designed to fail because they thought Hillary would be elected in 2016 she would come in get rid of Obamacare and make it a single-payer system which is what they wanted from the beginning totally run by the government our insurance insurance used to be around $600 for the two of us now it's $1,151 a month. It's almost and we're not in us. the exchanges. We're, we're not on Obamacare. That's just private insurance. We couldn't get any kind of subsidy anyway. So it, it's just unsustainable. I don't know how we can keep insurance if they... Somebody asked whatever happened to Pizzagate. Pizzagate is a criminal activity. It is a... It's, it's a dark... It, secret that is going on and it's got to be prosecuted by the justice department okay but jeff have sessions you, doesn't have, have anybody you, have to help you him yet. noticed how many new people have gone into the justice department since president trump was elected in november one person jeff, jeff sessions. sessions that's it everybody else in the department of justice has been there for the last eight years. Until they least. can replace some of those people and get his guys They are in. dragging their feet on all the appointments and approvals. And nobody has gotten into the Justice Department who hasn't been there for a while. So until the department... You have to be patient. Until the Justice Department gets some new blood. And until Sessions is able to work with his own people, Pizzagate is not going to be prosecuted. And, I mean, and they're, the other, they're prosecuting pedophiles here. They're, they're, they're prosecuting the world, pedophiles. Local state law enforcement agencies are prosecuting pedophiles. I have noticed, and there, there is some reason to have hope that there are more pedophiles are being prosecuted since President Trump was elected. But for the big stuff in Washington to be prosecuted, it's going to take a while. Department of Justice has a lot on their plate. And and it's still a bunch of leftovers from the Obama administration. So nothing mm-hmm. nothing's going to change there until those people are gone. And that it, it's it's unfortunate, but it, it takes a while. We may be waiting till June or July to get a lot of these people moved in. We there's a hundred federal court judges that need to be appointed. There are in the neighborhood of a hundred U.S. attorneys that need to be because remember Donald Trump just fired 42 U.S. attorneys. The ones who didn't resign when he came in, they just got fired. And that's normal for that so, to happen when there's a yeah, change that's, of that's a normal thing. administration. Uh, U.S. attorneys serve at the pleasure of the president. So it's normal when there's a new administration. U.S. attorneys, they, get, they usually get kicked out and the president appoints people that he wants as U.S. attorneys. So we have a lot of attorneys to appoint. We have 
the DOJ appointments to fill, and some of that requires congressional approval. Although, uh, it's possible, it's possible that uh, they may make some recess appointments. When Senate goes, it goes to recess. Shh, don't tell anybody. When Senate goes into uh, recess, uh, coming up here in a month or two, the president could actually make a bunch of recess appointments to federal court judges and the DOJ. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. That's it's possibility. We can pray for that. We can pray for that. <laughs> we can pray for anything. Somebody asked about the WikiLeaks today announcement from Assange. Right. Uh, um, dark, and, dark matter. Uh, and the Assange. Apple products that are infected with right. malware from the government. Well, what you have to know about Vault 7 so far, part one and part two, is that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, they're releasing information to consumers, letting them know that there are vulnerabilities in the software for your phones, your computers, your laptops, your TVs, that all the software that's been created to run those devices has vulnerabilities in them that the government is exploiting. In fact, when, uh, when Assange released Vault 7 Part 1, wow, Natalie. Edward Snowden started going through and reading all the information that was in Vault 7, and Snowden said it looks like there's evidence that the government has paid software manufacturers to create vulnerabilities that the government could exploit. I'm going to say that again. Edward Snowden said there's evidence that the government paid software companies to create vulnerabilities which they could exploit. So what Vault 7 tells you is that all the operating systems for your computers, your laptops, desktops, your phones, those programs have vulnerabilities and weaknesses in them that the government and other hackers from China and Iran can exploit and hack your phones, your desktop, your laptop, your and, and any electronic device that's run by software. They can hack it and they can get access to your information. It's unfortunate that the media is telling people that Russia is the biggest threat to the United States because they're not. It's actually China. China's ability to hack uh, our security network, our phones, and our computers is much further advanced than Russia. Russia's computer hacking system is in the dark ages compared to China. The big cybersecurity threat, global cybersecurity threat, is China. China is a much more real threat to our security than Russia is in, in many ways. Um, China controls the South China Sea, the shipping lines. And we're getting to this place now where all the trade with South Korea and Japan and Malaysia, and that's all has to go through the shipping lanes. And China is now saying that we have eminent domain. We own all this territory and you can't come through or we're going to send out our aircraft carrier and take you out. China is a, is a very real threat and a lot of people don't understand that. They, they do a lot of theft of intellectual property, which is unfortunate, and you can't prosecute it. Designs. The missile, all right, Bernadette, you asked a really good question. What about the missile from North Korea? Oh, my all gosh. Right. This is something that Adam talked about on one of his periscopes 
gosh, probably a month ago. I did not know this, but see, Adam works in government, right? He's in politics. He knows this stuff. He said, look, we do not have to worry about North Korea hitting the west coast of the United States with a missile. It's not going to happen, ever. If you live in Washington or British Columbia or Oregon or California, you do not need to worry about Kim Jong-un hitting you with a missile from North Korea. You want to know why? Because we have hacked the codes for all of the North Korean missiles. We have our people in NSA and CIA are very smart people. They have the codes for all of the software and all the programming on all the, the missiles in North Korea. All right? So well, we can't say that out loud. <laughs> we, 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 we're not supposed to say that, so don't tell anybody. But we have the, we have the codes. We, we have people in our intelligence community who are monitoring North Korea's missile launches. If North Korea ever decides to launch an actual missile that's dangerous, somebody in Langley, Virginia, is going to flip a little switch and that missile is going to go into the sea or explode as soon as it leaves the launch pad. That's actually what happened with the North Korean missile launch the other night. Remember, it yep, said that the missile exploded right after it left the launch pad. How did it just exploded? Well, how did that happen? Well, Adam told us that we have the ability to control. So does China. China has, China, their engineers are smart. Their software people are smart. They have the codes for North Korea's missiles too. So China, when Kim Jong-un launches a missile, somebody in China can divert that missile and make sure it goes right into the sea or explodes after, after it launches. We can do the same thing. This is global security intelligence. When intercontinental ballistic missiles became a reality, our intelligence community had to make sure we had software and we had hacking programs and we had access to other people's ICBMs so that if they tried to launch something at us, we could destroy it before it got here. We have that technology. We can destroy the missiles of almost any country if they come toward us. Unless Russia parks a submarine off of the coast and launches a missile, you know, that's, that's the only way they're going to hit us. They're not going to hit us from a land-based missile launch. It's not going to happen. It'll get blown up before it gets here. Some people say God is in control. If God is in control, that's nice, but he put us in charge. If God was sovereignly in control of everything, then our prayers mean nothing. God's just there moving the switches and controlling everything, and we, our prayers don't do anything. We have to pray, and we have to act, and we have to vote, and we have to contact our congressmen and know because the Bible says, the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. All right, down here in the earth realm, we have been given dominion. We call the shots. We pray. God works with us and through us. Uh, we we need to be we need to be in prayer about all this stuff. Look, I've been we've been telling you guys for a year. Pray for darkness to be exposed. That's what we've been doing. Praying for darkness to be exposed. What is happening? Darkness is being exposed yeah. like never before. There's all kinds of crazy dark stuff going on that we didn't even know. We didn't even suspect. And it's all being exposed. There are good, patriotic, 
God-fearing people who are coming forth and exposing the darkness. And now Congress and the media are going to have to deal with all this darkness that's being exposed. You have to be careful what you pray for because you might get it sometimes. We're getting it. I will continue to be here giving you guys the updates and the info as Unless we get Facebook it. Facebook doesn't like it. <laughs> Unless Facebook comes in the middle of the night and knocks on my door and says, Hey, stop posting that stuff. You can't talk about that. Uh, and hey, you know what? Looking forward to seeing some of you in, in Tacoma, Tacoma in July. The last week, uh, we, we're going to have a fun time. We're going to hang out. And then go to lunch and go to breakfast and go to dinner and and learn about seeing and traveling in the Spirit. And it's going to be great. So I hope you guys get a chance to sign up for the gathering in Tacoma. Oh, by the way, one last thing. Our new news website is freedomnewsproject.com. Freedomnewsproject.com. We set it up so that it will aggregate all the latest news and opinion videos automatically and there's, you just go on the page and scroll down and there's all the latest videos from conservative news and, and commentators on there. When Sean Spicer does a press conference, it's on there. When Donald Trump is somewhere doing something and they post a video, it's on there. And Hannity and Fox and Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and uh, Tucker Carlson. Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, they're all on there. All their latest videos, Paul Joseph Watson, Stefan Malanu, they're all on there. If you, if you want to get the latest on what these people are doing, their latest videos, just go to the website and scroll through and all the latest videos. And then if you click on the link on the bottom of, the, of each of those sections, it'll take you to a separate page. It has a gallery of all their recent videos. Mm -hmm. So that was, a, that was a, a work for me. It took me a week to 10 days to get that set up. The website is Freedom newsproject.com just spell that out freedomnewsproject.com oh look my glass is empty i guess it's time to go to bed uh, <laughs> it is it's it's getting late i'm yeah. sure for some people it is on getting the east late. coast if you're on the east coast it's way late it's 10:38 although it you know adam does these 3 and 4 hour periscopes and he starts at like 10:30 east coast time it goes till two or three in the morning. Falling so. asleep before it's over. <laughs> We're gonna try to keep it real. Freedomnewsproject.com. Yes. <clears throat> yep. Love you guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Pray for us. Pray for the country. And we're going to get out of here. Don't want to waste any more of your time. <laughs> Thanks. Peace out. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.